Welcome to the Freight Broker Bootcamp audio experience, and I'm your host, Dennis Brown. So my friend here joining me on the screen is Steve Gattisi. Is that correct? Yes, sir. How's it going, Dennis? Good. I didn't murder it. So No, you did good. <laughs> all right, good, good. I, I'm, I'm horrible with names. And so um, thank you so much for being here. I know your time is valuable. You're growing a business. Um, everybody, this is Steve. He's the gentleman who took his business from zero startup, no freight brokerage experience, to over $63,000 in sales in his first 30 days. So welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Dennis. I appreciate it. Yeah, awesome. We had a really good time getting to know each other because you were a student of my Freight Broker Sales Accelerator program. Yep. Yeah. That's correct. You were, you were actually in the last cohort a few months ago, right? A couple months ago? Yeah, absolutely. In the last run, I believe. And I know that you're about to launch it again soon. So super excited for that. It's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spill the popcorn in the lobby, but get on that wait list. You can check the wait list out and get on there for free. Just go to freightbrokerbootcamp.com forward slash wait list. All right, here it's, so here's the link to get on the wait list. If you guys want to check that out, that's actually where Steve and I met. Steve, why don't you just give a quick intro, take a minute, a kind of how you got into the freight brokerage business, a little bit about your business, and then we'll get the ball rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been in the truck industry as a whole for a couple of years now. Uh, back in 2014, I, I started truck driving. I was a driver. Um, I went ahead and got my own authority, went about it the whole way. And then from there, I bounced over doing dispatch. I uh, started my own dispatch company. And I was thinking one day, I said, you know what? It'd be great to have my own freight and my own freight network, and I can keep folks busier. Um, and also maybe protect the rate a little bit, right? Because I am have more control um, and maybe less greed at times. So I can actually help people. And so I went ahead and started brokerage. And uh, so far, it's been so good, knock on wood, um, but we've been rolling steadily uh, every single day and every single week. So when did you launch your brokerage? When did you actually start? Well, I got my approval. I think it was the last week of March, but I did not start in March. So for me, we had some other things going on. I had to make sure everything else was taken care of in some of my other businesses. So it really wasn't until I would say the first week of June that we started pushing with our brokerage. Okay. So you started in early June and then talk to us about that. You know, when you started, you didn't have a book of business. You didn't really have any experience as a freight broker. You, were, in, you were from the trucking industry. So you had a little bit, you knew how to navigate a little bit. So tell us a little bit about that first 30 days. How did that, how did that unfold? Well, it kind of unfolded where, you know, I was enrolled in your program, honestly, and I took the time to go ahead and go through your materials. I took the time to, you know, communicate with the, the, the folks and yourself and our weekly calls. Um, from there, I really just used all that information and, and some of the information I had. And I started making phone calls. I started, you know, focusing on my CRM and having that organized properly. And then I went and I started knocking on doors. Um, I really believe in knocking on a door and, and actually I've had great results that way. I think that, you know, face-to-face -face contact, um, being able to talk to people and relate to people is much easier in person versus the telephone. Yeah. So you found a lot of success face to face. So you were dealing with a lot of people in your local market. Where are you based out of again? I'm right outside Orlando, Florida. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about that start. I mean, did you have outside sales experience prior to this? Had you done a lot of that or you just intuitively felt as though that you could make a better impact, make a better first impression and that you'd be able to get cash flow faster by doing the face to face? 
I, you know, when I was calling people, I, I tried to start with my local market first because I knew I could actually go out and meet these people. So if I said to them, hey, I'm going to stop by and see you on Friday, I actually could. So, you know, I targeted my local market and, you know, I went after that market and I didn't really have much sales experience, I would say, prior to that. Um, I, I would say I've done it to some extent because in my dispatch company, I was cold calling carriers. And that's how I would sign up a carrier. I'd call them, introduce myself introduce what we're capable of doing, um, able to use good reference points, you know, because we had a bunch of carriers on board with us. Then it really allowed my, you know, allowed me to already kind of navigate some of those initial like tendencies where people will be hung up or nervous. So, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's some huge advantages to face-to-face. If you're comfortable with face-to-face, I think it can go a long way because we've said it before in, in past trainings and interviews and different videos that I've done. It's a lot harder for somebody to tell you no and reject you face-to-face than it is over the phone. Now, don't get me wrong. You're going to get rejection face-to-face. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but out of, out of a hundred rejections you get over the phone, it's, you know, those types of rejections, you know, it's probably going to be less than half of that, or at least those types of rejections. If you're face-to-face, it's just a lot harder once you do get in front of somebody because people don't want to be rude. Most people don't want to be rude and it's a lot harder to be rude face-to-face. So you can usually get a couple minutes of their time because they know you've taken the effort to get out there and do that. If you're comfortable with that, I highly recommend it. Matter of fact, we just interviewed Lita Hakopian last week, and she talked about face-to-face as being one of the secrets to help her get her brokerage running really, really fast too. So, all right, great. So the local is where you started and tell us how you found your niche, because I know you kind of navigated your finding your freight niche a little bit different. Yeah. So a lot of times in the beginning, everybody's trying to pick a niche and I kind of came to the general conclusion that my niche will be anybody that gives me my first load. So <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to like sell myself short and I didn't want to focus on just one area because you never know what that market's doing. Right. Like right. for example, um, you know, produce season is now going really strong in California. Well, now might not be the ideal time to call somebody in California and try to get set up with them. You probably should have called them two months ago prior to the rush. So because you're learning that, that little bit of, uh, you're learning it slowly. You're learning as you go, you're firing from the hip. You know, I, I just come to realize that, you know, for me, I wanted to go ahead and, and just try to find anybody that would work with me. And that's what I did. And I knocked on doors nonstop. I mean, I made hundreds of phone calls a day. I've been hung up on my first phone calls were terrible. I mean, bad, bad, but you know, I worked through all that, gained confidence and you know, um, there's rough days out there. I mean, you know, if I had a bad day at home, something's going on, I won't do sales calls because I know that my energy is just not where it needs to be to, you know, pass on to somebody through the telephone. Cause I think that's true. You got to carry the energy, you know? So you're finding your niche. You basically took a little bit of a shotgun approach when you first started and said, listen, I'm going to survey a whole bunch of different industries, a whole bunch of different niches. And I'm going to kind of see what I get some traction with. And then based on that, I'll do some additional due diligence and figure out if that's the niche I really want to pursue. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. So now at this point, after going through that process and kind of navigating that, you've started to niche down now a little bit more. So tell us a little bit more about your current niche. Yeah. So now I'm mainly working with flatbed. I've been doing a lot of lumber. Uh, We're trying to transition into doing piping and fertilizer. Um, But yeah, I, I just stick with flatbed predominantly now. Um, it's not because it's any easier or harder. It just happened to be what came about for me. Uh, I'm not necessarily doing oversize or overweight or anything overdimensional yet, but you know, flatbed seems to be something that was a little easier for me to get into. 
All right, great. So tell us a little bit about your business now. You started it in June and we're only a few minutes late or a few months later. So you literally are just still on this startup phase. Tell us a little bit about how your business has progressed or evolved yeah. or developed since that first 30 days. And during that first 30 days, one question before I go, you did 63,000 in, in revenue. About how much profit was that? Around 20%. About twenty percent, so roughly, mm -hmm. roughly ten, twelve thousand, something like that, roughly. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Around twelve thousand or so. Yep, yeah, on the, yep, on the twelve thousand side. So you made about twelve thousand dollars in profit your first month as a broker. What does that look like now, a few months later? Well, we were expecting to double this month. I mean, the reality is, is that what we've done is we've gone back to our customers and we've asked for more freight, and it literally just took me doing that just send them an email or making a phone call and saying hey everything's been going good for the last xyz and you know is there any way we could get more volume from you guys you know a couple customers have and you know one or two have not yet um but you know we hope to we hope to gain more always so you're expecting maybe by the end of august here that you would potentially hit six figures per you know i would think revenue? we'll do over yeah we'll do we'll over do six over. figure yeah mm -hmm. and you guys gotta understand he just started this in june we're 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 recording this interview on August 15th. Okay. So we're literally like just a couple months later and he's already approaching a hundred thousand and could hit exceed a hundred thousand in revenue this month. Have the margins stay roughly the same in that 15 to 20% range? The margins have stayed roughly the same. I do kind of worry though, coming into the next coming month, um, watching kind of the flapping market lose a little bit of its momentum, but I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to say, I hope it does stay the same. Um, we try not to be greedy because everybody likes to think, oh, you're, you know, you're killing on every single load. Well, there's some times where I take loads and I make no money at all, but because I take other loads where I do make money, it balances out. Yeah. So dollar I think cost that's important to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Dollar cost yeah. averages it way out. Yeah. So here's the good thing to know for everybody in the audience here. You know, what Steve just mentioned was every industry, every niche has its ups and downs. It ebbs and flows, Right. There's times when the getting is really good and there's times when the getting is a little tougher. And so you have to understand and be able to navigate that. And mentally, you have got to be prepared for that. I want you to be prepared for that up front. Steve just gave you that. He's prepared what's going on. He's going to stay positive and he's going to continue to do his due diligence and work hard. But here's the cool thing about rates, okay, when it comes to any niche. The cool part is when demand goes down, meaning there's less loads than there are trucks, okay? When there's more loads than there are trucks, demand goes up, price goes up. When there's less loads than there are trucks, rates go down. The cool part is as a broker, if you're smart and you pay attention to what's going on in the marketplace, you can always fit yourself in the middle at that 15 to 20% range because as demand goes down, price goes down, but so does the cost of the truck. Okay, so your trucks will go down in, in costs from point A to point B. So I don't want to get overly complicated, but the cool thing is, is as a broker, you're not consuming those fixed costs that a carrier has. You know, being a carrier and being profitable as a carrier is way, way, way harder than it is as a broker. I give them all the credit in the world. Anybody who's an owner operator or owns a small fleet or a large fleet and can operate profitably in this day and age, you're doing something right. Okay, so congratulations to you. But just know that as the as the industry ebbs and flows, you should still, if you pay attention and you really focus in and you keep your ear to your into your market and you listen carefully, you know, you should be able to consistently be able to pull a 15 to 20% margin out as long as you're paying attention. So all right, cool. So so you're focused in a little bit on more on flatbed now. 
Have you niched down any further than that? Is it a lot in the, in the, is there any geographical areas or lanes where you focus in on more than others? Or is it really just, Hey, flatbed anywhere? I, I, I like to think flatbed anywhere. I, I don't want to limit myself geographically, any, you know, anywhere. To me, mm-hmm. the United States as a whole is a big open grounds of, you know, my own demise. So if I want to put in the effort and the time and go up to Utah and find shippers over there, I can. If I want to go, you know, what I would really like to do now is I'd like to build more backhauls out for my current carrier. So, you know, one of the things I've heard you talk about a lot and you push a lot on is, you know, continuously working with the same carriers over and over to really have a good working relationship with those people because they do end up becoming your backbone. So what I'm working on now is, you know, I I have lanes that go up to South Carolina every single day almost. So right now I'm looking for return hauls up in South Carolina for my flatbedders so we can, you know, keep them moving and keep the same people loaded. You know, I, I love going to the load board. I think it's great. I'm not knocking it. But if I can pick up the phone and call John, who I've worked with on 45 loads, and he's delivered them on time, that's who I'd rather work with. You know? Just yeah, exactly. I mean, it's always easier to do business with a carrier already set up with than it is to vet and set up a new carrier for every load, right? And Absolutely. that's what, you, what you'll find is if you start getting into a little bit more of a geographical niche where you start running heavy, you know, uh, you know specific lanes or specific... Um, region to region, what you're going to find is you're going to start using a lot of the same carriers over and over again. But if you're calling on shippers in Texas today, and the next day you're calling on shippers in Idaho, and the next day you're calling on shippers in California, and the next day you're calling on shippers in Maine, there's not there's going to be a lot of disconnect between the carriers that you're using. So what you're going to find is you're going to have to do a lot of finding carriers from load boards, post and hope. You know what I mean? That the that some of those. Now you can do the proper due diligence. And you can do those, that due diligence in advance of doing the quotes, but it does take a lot of work, right? It takes a lot of work to feel comfortable that you're going to be able to, number one, quote it right so that you got the right price. And secondly, that it actually is going to come with a truck, right? So what's been your experience there when you jump into a new market and take a chance? What, what have you, you know, how you've handled that? Well, I got to tell you, so jumping a new market and taking a chance is always risky. But I think, you know, starting any new business is risky. And, you know, sometimes you got to just make sure your number is close enough to as right as possible. You know, so, you know, I'm, I'm not using pricing tools. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them out there, some really great stuff. But you could spend a tremendous amount of money on these tools. So what I try to do is I try to use load boards, price the market. I try to use the tools to price the market. And then I try to put a price together that I think is competitive and I'll be protected and then give it to the customer. Now, I've lost lane bids over $50. I don't take that personal. I consider that a win in my book still because you know what? I was close. Like I was right there. And I don't, I, I don't look at it like as a bad thing. You know, now I just got to go back to the table and I know, hey, I'm in within the ballpark. Some guy wants to do for $50 less. Maybe he only needs a $50 profit, you know, to run his business. Then my hat's off to him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here's the thing, right? It's easy to be the cheapest. It's easy to be the cheapest rate. It's hard to cover freight when you're the cheapest rate, right? It's, it's easy to be the most expensive, right? But then it's hard to get the shippers to accept your bid because yep. they're typically not going to pay you 30 to 50% more than they're paying somebody else. Okay. The hard part is finding that sweet spot where maybe you're not the cheapest, but maybe you're 50 or a hundred or maybe even $150 more expensive than their current provider. But because of the value that they see in the relationship or maybe some of the pain that they're feeling in their current situation, because it's not exactly the way they want it, 
they'll give you an opportunity. I want you to understand something right now. It doesn't sound to me like Steve is always the cheapest. And I know I was never, I was rarely, if ever the cheapest. Okay. I didn't sell that way. I'd rather have less customers, but customers that appreciated me um, and were willing to pay the premium to do business with me because I knew that those were based on value, not exclusively based on price. So there's that old adage, right? Win on price, lose on price. And everybody yeah. always navigates to price in this game. And I know it's an important component, but it's not the only component. New salespeople, weak salespeople, lazy salespeople always have a tendency to use the drop you, you know, to try to use price as the biggest variable to get the business. When in reality, if you focus there, your shipper is going to focus there. If you focus in other areas, you can then get some of your prospects to focus in on those other areas. And you'll be surprised how much they are willing to pay if you can bring addition, some additional value to the table. So, um, Absolutely. so Steve, so tell me a little bit. So now you're doing more over the phone sales. You're, you're doing more remote because you're not doing as much local. Man, I still go out once a week. I, I go out once a week. I mean, I'll drive within four hours of where I am um, and I'll go and I'll go talk to people. Um, I'm still going out once a week, but yes, I am doing a lot of emails. Uh, my CRM tracks, you know, whether or not people are interacting with my emails, if they're interacting with my websites, you know, and, and I'm still making cold calls um, every single day. Uh, the thing is, is that, you know, as we're building and we're growing, it does start to take away from my ability to do as many cold calls. That's why I'm starting to implement logistic coordinators. I'm trying to implement more agents, you know, and to my team um, that people that I like, you know, I think that's important too. a lot of people are like, oh, I got, you know, I just hired six agents. Well, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily a good plan either. You know, you got to really kind of vet the people you want to deal with, you know, so I'm, I'm super picky in that way, you know, and I'm not hiring people out of California right now. Uh, there was a great guy that was in our program. He, t you know, he messaged me, Hey, do you think we could get on board together? But, you know, because the Holy B5 deal, I just didn't want to get involved with it over there, you know? So one of the things you said, I mean, I, I love the fact that you're still mixing face-to-face -face with over the phone. You talked a little bit about your CRM. What CRM are you using? I use PipeDrive. Yeah. Uh, I just initially, you know, starting out, I think like a lot of people get overwhelmed because maybe they're getting a lot of calls or they're seeing a lot of different softwares and programs out there. You know, I was able to start with PipeDrive. I think it was for free. And then I went to the, the top tier, which I think is like $40 a month, which is you know, in my mind, relatively reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Pipedrive yeah. is one of the ones that I recommend for startups, for startup freight brokers. And I've used it extensively a few years ago. Um, and so I think it's a great place to start. And again, just so you guys understand what a CRM is, a customer relationship management software. It allows you to manage all of your pros your leads, your prospects, and your customer data right? Now, this is not replacing a TMS. This isn't replacing your transportation management software. This is more on the sales side, okay? So all of your outreach, all of your emails, all of your calls, all of your quotes, all of your communications, that's what goes into your CRM. And so he's using PipeDrive for that. I would highly recommend you guys check that out. It's a great software, very affordable, very easy to kind of customize and set up. A nice little workflow. I like the way you can set it up in, in basically in buckets, right? Where It's, it's pretty intuitive. You yeah. can even automate things. Like you can send automated emails when you add people into your system, which, you know, saves you a lot of time when, you know, you're one or two man team in the beginning, you know, starting out. Yeah. So I like PipeDrive. I like the CRM. So what would be your advice to someone who's a startup freight broker in their first 30 days if they were going to focus more on the phone? Because I think most more people are going to do phone startup. What would you suggest would be a good protocol and a good uh, cadence for 
outreach, for doing outreach to whatever niche they've decided to do. How many calls per day, per week, uh, something along those lines. I'd like to hear them to hear it from you because I I, yeah. I can say it till I'm blue in the face, but people have a tendency yep. to, to – uh, well- well, I don't know if I can start just a little bit earlier on. What I try to do is I try to keep my cost as low as possible on my startup. Yeah. So that means I'm going bare bones, right? I'm getting my CRM, I'm getting my phone system, a website, and an email. That's it. I'm getting my LLC filed and my EIN, and I'm applying for my my broker's authority. Yeah. You can start doing your sales calls before then. As long as you're an active business, you could technically be calling people because odds of you closing somebody on your first week or two of calls is, is going to be slim. You know. So at least you get your foot in the door, you start getting some practice in. Mm -hmm. um at least that's what i did you know just trying to get my feet wet um and that's what i try to tell the people now so other than that you know what i do is i'm always reaching out to people um i don't i don't ever think of myself as bothering somebody i never apologize for emailing or calling somebody you know that's not the position i'm in i'm in a position where i'm bringing something of value to you so I, i always try to keep my head in that space that you know my time is just as much valuable as your time you know, and, and working together, we can actually do better together. I love know? that because you you remember mindset is module number one in my freight broker sales accelerator. And it's number one because it's where a lot of people that are new to owning a business or doing sales or outreach or engaging with prospects over the phone or face-to-face, it's where they struggle. And that's one of the things that people say a lot. I feel like I'm bothering people. I feel like I'm interrupting them. I feel like I'm, I'm going to make them mad. And the thing is, is, you know, what I loved what you said was, you you positioned it as I have something of value that I can provide to them. So therefore, I'm not an interruption. I'm not a bother. Now, whether they're willing to listen to the value that you're able to provide is one thing. But the fact is, is that number one, you're confident enough that you can provide that value. And that's how you le- that's how you justify the fact that, hey, listen, not everybody's going to listen. Not everybody's going to like me, but I, they don't all have to. Here's the good thing about being a freight broker and a small startup, you want to make six figures. Okay. You want to make a hundred thousand dollars in profit in your pocket. You literally need five to 10 customers. I would say you might not even need, you, you probably don't even need, need that, but yeah, no, I would I'm, say I'm you being, might not even, you might not even need that, but five <laughs> to 10. Yeah. And you, these are, don't and have to covered. be big shippers. I mean, you're not you're talking covered. about us steel. You're not talking about, you know, um, you know, Nestle water. You're not talking about big shippers. You're talking about just small to medium sized shippers. You get five to 10 customers. You've got a really nice, healthy six figure profit going in your pocket. Okay. Now, if you want to shoot for the moon, go get 50, right? Now you have a real business. Now you're doing you know, now you're doing probably five, 10. Yeah. You're doing 10 million or more in business. Uh, and if you can maintain your margins at 15 or 20%, yeah, your overhead's going to go up a little bit, but I promise you, it won't go up that much. You're still going to be sticking a lot of money in, in the old hip national bank. So, all right, cool. So the question let's, let's hone in specifically on that question. How many calls would you suggest a startup freight broker make when they start doing outreach? If it's, if it's predominantly over the phone? I would say, or I would advise people to do as many as they can, as long as they're sounding fresh. Okay. I do believe people get tired. Yeah. I do believe at the end of your day, your call is probably not going to be as solid as maybe around just before lunch. Yeah. I mean, just my own opinion. You know, yeah. I, 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 I've, I've myself made a hundred plus phone calls in a day, and I can tell you by the last phone call, I just wanted to rip my headset off and go lay down. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I also learned to qualify people a lot better. So, you know, on my first interaction with you in the first couple minutes, I already know if I'm dealing with you or not. 
you know, and then I turn away if not, you know, I just say, hey, that's great. I'll follow up with an email. Thank you very much for your time. And I move on. You know, I don't get caught up in a 30 minute conversation with somebody that's going to add zero value to me or to my business. I like the way you put that. And here's the thing, Steve, you know me, we went through the Freightbreaker Sales Accelerator together and anybody who's followed any of my sales training, I'm much more of a quality over quantity guy. Now, when you're starting out and you don't have experience and you don't have a big network and you don't have a book of business, you are going to have to make up in numbers what you lack in experience and that's okay. But I'm not one of those guys that says you got to go out and make a hundred or 200 phone calls a day. What I'd rather have you do is focus in on quality. I'd rather have you have five, you know, good quality engagements in an entire day than to have 20 one minute hangups or 30 second hangups. Okay. So the way you do that, and the reason why, how I've structured the whole freight broker sales accelerator program is that we've created it. The most important part of that whole deal is how to get their attention. You got to get their attention. And if you sound like everybody else in the market, you're going to get treated just like everybody else, right? You're going to get the Heisman and you're going to get stiff armed and you're going to hit the sidelines on your back. Okay. It's, that's it's absolutely true. That's yeah. the biggest problem people have is, you know, they're saying, oh, I got, I called the shipper today and he says he got 40 phone calls. People calling just like me. Yeah. Because you well, sounded just like yeah. him. Everybody's heard it before. Different is better than better. And so you have to develop a compelling sales hook. You have to develop more than one sales hook, but you have to develop that thing that's going to differentiate you and that's going to get their attention and become something that is a talking point that then leads to a two-way conversation. Because a lot of times, uh, you know, when you're cold calling a shipper and you get on the phone and you vomit on him and then all of a sudden he says, I'm not interested or just email me some info, you know, that's the shortest two-way conversation you've ever had. He said six words, you puked all over him. But if you have a compelling sales hook, all of a sudden, it's going to start an actual dialogue where we're back and forth, questions, answers, comments, response, building rapport. Now, all of a sudden, you've been able to put together a three or four or five minute conversation or more where you've been able to build that rapport and differentiate yourself. But the hardest part is the first 15 seconds. If you don't make a good first impression, you know, you know, chances are very slim that you're going to get a, a next call, right? And we all know that you're not going to close people on the first call. It doesn't work that way in this business. It's extremely rare and you shouldn't even try to close people on the first call. Your goal on the first call is to build rapport and to get the second call. That's all you're really in to gather sales intelligence and get that second call. That's really what you're trying to do. So um, how does that, does that differ or kind of fall in line with the cadence that you've put in place for your business? Cause I know you spend a lot of time prospecting and building your business, even though you're still, you know, you're, you've got to service the other side and cover all those loads. Tell me a little bit about how that resonates with you. Yeah, well, I, you know, I do something similar. I, uh, myself, I try to be, um, if my, if the call is going bad, I don't want to be memorable. Let's just say that if I'm making mistakes or my new agent's making mistakes or, or somebody's having trouble, I don't want it to be memorable. I want them to forget me. So when I call back in 30 days, I got another fresh start at it, right? So I know that maybe sounds contradictory somewhat to what you're saying, but if you know the call is going bad or you're stumbling or you're struggling, I just simply try to be forgotten. 
And I know that sounds horrible to say, but it's gone bad. So, so why keep the memory there? Cause next time you call, they're going to be like, it's this clown again. And then they're not going to want to deal with you, you know, but if the call is going great, you know, I, I try to stand out, try to be different. Um, I maybe do some research on the people I'm calling in advance. So that way I have some information on them. I'm not saying I'm going to go on their Facebook and stalk their profile on their Instagram, but I'm going to look into their business. I'm going to find out some things that might be happening. Maybe they're opening a new building, you know, and I'll start talking about that with them, you know, and seeing if that's a way to dig in. And, you know, people will usually make a sports reference or, or they'll do something that, you know, you can have some type of bond about, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's big for a lot of salespeople I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. You need to, you need to gather sales intelligence and you need to leverage that sales intelligence to start, building that rapport, right? You need to find something that you have in common, right? When I was taught sales a hundred years ago, okay, you know, a lot of it was face-to-face sales and they would say, you, you need to find the deer head on the wall. And what I, what they meant by that, and it's a very weird reference, but if you knock on somebody's door and, and they open the door and you see in, in their, you know, in their, uh, inside their home that they have a deer head hanging on the wall, you're not going to talk to them about golf, you're going to talk to them about hunting. Okay. Yep, and vice versa. If they've got a Corvette in their driveway, right. You know, you're going to talk to them about sports cars. You're going to talk to them about Corvettes, right? So you need to be able to use and gather sales intelligence. Now, if you're doing that remotely, like Steve is, and like most salespeople are, you know, you go to places like the website, you go to places like Google, you go to places like their LinkedIn profile, and you can gather sales intelligence that you can then use. And if worst case scenario, you just think about the geography that they're in. If they're in Atlanta, chances are that, well, there's multiple sports teams you can talk about, right? Or maybe you look up some recent news about Atlanta. Hopefully it's not political, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, find some recent news about their, in specific to their geography. And you can use that as a talking point. You can use that as a rapport builder. You can use that as a way to differentiate yourself because very few people, believe it or not, take any amount of time to gather sales intelligence. And it absolutely blows my mind because it's one of the most valuable tools you can have in your arsenal when trying to build rapport and a relationship with someone that you don't know in a cold environment. So I love the fact that you gather sales intelligence, but before we go, is there anything you want to share with the audience? Is there any parting piece of advice or anything you think was really, really important um, that you did or that you would do differently in your first 30, 60 days in order to get further faster? I probably would have tried to keep my cost even lower in the first 30 to 60 days to increase my profits even greater. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that there's a lot of things out there people do need from day one, but there's a lot of things people don't need from day one. And, and knowing where and when to buy and in and, and the sense of that type of thing is very important. You know, I don't know if it's okay to say this, but, you know, I, I use Ascend TMS. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the TMS system I use. Yeah, They're free. You know, to start out, they're free. Why would you pay for anything if you can start with that? I understand it might not be the best and something you want to use forever. If, if that's your point of view, then that's fine. But, you know, starting out, try to try to keep your costs as low as possible, invest in good training, you know, join Facebook groups and, you know, things like that. Like your, your Facebook group is awesome. I see great people up there all the time and, and don't lose hope. I can tell you right now, um, you know, Derek Jeter probably, you know, try to hit a million balls before he got his Yankees deal. Uh, LeBron James probably shot a million basketballs before he got his deal. You know, don't, don't be deterred by 500 bad calls or 500 no's. You, you don't have to have 5,000 yeses in your career. You got to have maybe a hundred and you're golden, you know, you, because a lot of these people are going to be around for years and decades. 
you know, so these people, they're going to build relationships with you and they're going to stay with you because they like you. This whole business is really built on communication and people wanting to talk to you and being able to deal with you. I honestly, I feel that way. I, I tell people all the time it's a relationship business. You know, if everybody's offering transportation, that's great. I'm offering great communication. You know, I, I'm happy every day. I start off every day positive. You know, stuff's going to happen, you know, and your customer knows that. You know that. The truckers know that. You just got to keep everybody happy, you know, and the best way to do that is to be good at communication. Yeah, people do business with they know, like, and trust, okay? If you're missing any of those three ingredients, they're not going to do business with you, okay? It all starts out with knowing who you are. That's those early calls that you do with them to build the rapport, right? They like you based upon the things that you have in common because people or how you're different, right? That's how they like you, either in common or different. And then trust is built through clear communications and through doing what you say you're going to do. So for example, you say that you're going to send them an email in an hour and you send them an email in 30 minutes, they know that you did what you said you were going to do. But if you say you're going to send them an email in an hour and you don't send it till tomorrow, you've already have one strike against you, okay? Because the, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And if you're not going to do something as simple as send an email when you say you're going to send it, how can anybody trust you? So you have to build that trust one inch at a time, right? So I think that's, it's interesting the way you put that. And I really, I, I really appreciate you kind of framing it that way. Cause I think it's very important, um, you know, that you, that you consider that in every single one of your calls. Okay. I uh, appreciate you guys being here, Steve. So, uh, congratulations on all the success. Uh, Thank you. keep me posted how things go. If you are able to hit six figures this month, that would be great. Um, any, anything you want to leave with the audience before we, uh, before we jump into Q and a, yeah. Also, hey, just make sure when people are asking you for quotes, you're not sitting on them for four days and then responding to them. That's something huge that I hear people doing. You know, don't do that. You know, get that quote back as soon as possible. You know, I'm not saying you got to, you know, rush it, but do your due diligence and get it back. Don't don't sit on it for 24, 48, you know, try and get a response back. Um, if it's okay with you, yeah, I, you know, I got a little YouTube channel. It's called Freight Sniper. It's usually just general information about the freight industry. Um, I just started it not too long ago. So if anyone wants to check me out there, they can. Awesome. If you're curious about becoming a freight broker or a freight agent, and you're trying to put the pieces together on YouTube and Google and all these different places, and they're just not all matching up, and you've got a lot of questions, Check out FreightBrokerBootCamp.com. We've trained over 10,000 students, been in business over a decade, and I offer a 60-day, 100% unconditional money-back guarantee. I can't make it any easier than that. Thank you so much. I uh, truly appreciate you guys being here. Have an awesome day, and we'll talk next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm humbled that you allowed me to be a part of your day. Now subscribe to the podcast so we can do this more often. And for those of you that take the next 15 to 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout out on a future episode.